This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. All right. Gordon Ryan, welcome to the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Pleasure to have you. Um, Pleasure to be here. For the, for the two or three people watching this who don't know who you are, you are the, uh, the number one pound-for-pound pound grappler on the planet. You are the reigning ADC champion in both your weight class and the open weight class. Uh, you've won everything else. I would love to talk about some of those. I mean, there were some serious wins over there post pre-COVID, like that quintet sweep and uh, battling with Gabriel Gonzaga when you blew your knee out and just sweeping ADCC and Nogi Worlds. But uh, this is more of the business-minded jiu-jitsu podcast. And so what this is, is I'm, I'm writing this book. It's my second book called Business Jiu-Jitsu, and it's about uh, the shared principles that we find on, on the mat and also in the business world. And so often when I'm doing business and whether I'm negotiating a deal or, or working alongside of someone, I feel like I'm doing jiu-jitsu. You know, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 11 years, and all the same principles that apply here apply in work and life. And uh, you are, are, are vocal and outspoken, um, really the number one leader in driving our sport forward on viewership and making it exciting. And um, even though your haters, as you would call them, would be your vocal critics, there can be absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that that, you know, that chirping makes it exciting, you know, the Floyd Mayweather effect. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, just give a little introduction on exactly who you are and, and, and where you are. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm Gordon Ryan, as you mentioned. I'm the uh, you know, number one pound-for-pound pound submission grappler without the geek in, in the world. Um, and, you know, I initially was training out of New Jersey and New York City um, with Ricardo Almeida's team initially and uh, Gary Tonin's team and then eventually Tom DeBlas, all the guys in Jersey. And then eventually I started training with John Danaher in New York at the Henzo Gracie Academy. Um, and just recently for this year, we moved out to Puerto Rico um, for a semi-permanent trip out here. And uh, I must say it's much better than freezing cold New York. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy to be here and uh, I'm happy to get the training and the gym's getting set up now. So once the gym is set up, it's going to be, it's going to be, going to be nice. I, I can't wait to come visit. And you're sitting the way that we came together through, even though, you know, my, my sensei Nardu is a student of John's and we probably know a hundred jujitsu people in common. We came together because one of my business partners in real estate, Kenny Blatt developed the property that you're sitting in. And when you guys moved down there and put a picture, you and Mo posted it. I said, what is Gordon Ryan doing down at Dorado? And, um, and Kenny ended up putting us together. So what up to Kenny Blatt and, uh, and the whole crew at Dorado. That is such a beautiful property. I mean, you guys are geniuses for moving down there. That's what, uh, that's what most people said. They're like, what is Gordon Ryan doing in Dorado? And then like most people just thought I was messing with them. They're like, there's no way he actually moved to Puerto Rico. And then like, and then John announced it. That's when everyone knew it was real. When John announced that he was moving, then everyone was like, okay, I guess this is, this is happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought for a second you'd be moving to Texas. That would be the, the easy guess. Florida would have been the natural. That's where most people are going. There's a, it's a hotbed down there between Boca Raton and um, Miami. There's like crazy amount of jujitsu gyms. And then you have this partnership with the BJJ Fanatics guys. And I thought maybe outside chance you go to like New Hampshire and, and commute. But, and then you got Travis Stevens and who is a contributor to this podcast and Jimmy Pager up there. So I thought maybe New Hampshire, but uh good move. Yeah. The, um, 
Texas was a good choice. Um, the reason why we didn't initially go right to Texas was because of COVID concerns. Um, if we did move to Texas, our goal would be to create uh, like a very big international hub as far as the jiu-jitsu school goes. And um, John was concerned about opening up a school, investing a ton of money into it, and then, you know, COVID restriction shuts us down and, you know, we're just shit out of luck in Texas. Yeah. Um, whereas in Puerto Rico, you know, worst case scenario is, you know, we weren't able to run a school, um, which is unfortunately looks like we're going to be able to do now. Um, but the worst case scenario was we couldn't run a school, but at least we could just come in and, um, you know, we could train, you know, privately by ourselves, you know, until at least COVID, you know, was, um, you know, the COVID restrictions weren't as bad. So it was kind of like an intermediary step um, for us where uh, we didn't want to invest a ton of money into a giant school in Texas and then have, you know, God forbid, have to shut down because of restrictions or what have you. Yeah, no comp. No, I mean, there's some good schools down there. I've trained in, in, in Puerto Rico before, but nothing on your caliber and what you guys could bring to that community and uh, a, a great international airport where people can get in. It's so easy to get from New York to to Puerto Rico, uh, Miami to Puerto Rico. There's so many flights that go into San Juan. So just for so many reasons, um, and you know, you're not the only one, so many hedge fund guys and business guys are going down there now to escape the Northeast. And I commend you, good business decision. And that's all we need to say about that. Um, talk to me about John. I mean, you know, before we even get to, to John and his business influence on you, um, I'm like so moved by the the writing that you've done on Gary and your years in the car together, driving up and back from New Jersey to New York. I mean that that story and friendship, um, all those years together building. Can you just like expound on that a little? Yeah, I mean, so you know, Gary. Uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it till the day that I die. Uh, Gary was a huge part in my success. Um, you know, he. He drove me into the city, uh, you know, paid for me. You know, he would we drove into the city and people don't realize like it's like driving from Mon Monroe Township in central Jersey to New York City seven days a week. It's like two thousand like over two thousand dollars a month um, between tolls and gas and parking. And, um, you know, Gary would drive in with me. It was me and Gary initially. And no, nobody else drove in. Uh, and, you know, I was working. I was offering to pay. I've right out of high school. I went to college part time and I started working full time. Um, you know, I offered to pay, you know, um, what I could at least at the time. And Gary refused to let me pay. He would pay for everything. He would drive in, he would pay for parking, he would pay for tolls, he would pay for gas. Um, and, uh, you know, he took a big burden off my shoulders, you know, just coming out. He's a little bit older than me. He was, uh, I think, four years older than me. So um, just coming out of high school and wanting to be a professional grappler, you know, he took a lot of uh, a lot of stress off my shoulders of you know, trying to get my finances in order. Um, Plus, I was an idiot. I was like so obsessed with buying like a nice car that I would just like spend five hundred dollars a month on a car payment, but not like uh, <laughs> like save money to go to training. So, um, but you know, he, uh, you know, he, we would go in and he would buy me food occasionally, but he would he would pay for everything going into the city. Um, on top of you know, that's just off the mat. You know, on the mat, obviously, he was my coach. You know, for a, for a long time, um, he would do anything to help me. He would stay at, at the gym at Brunswick for you know six hours. I mean, we were there for you know until three in the morning one day practicing outside helix because I just couldn't get an outside helix down the right way. Um, so you know, he, 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 he's always done and will do anything that I ask him to. And, uh, he's the best friend and best instructor that you can ever ask for. Really. I mean, that guy will do anything for any one of his friends and he did it for me. I mean, he, um, he, he's a, a huge part of the reason, 
um, why I'm successful and the the reason why I was introduced to John in the first place. Without him, I may have never even came across John or you know went to the city or, or any of that. Yeah, I love the way that you you share that so openly with people. Number one, most people aren't willing to give other people success. Uh, you know, give them the the, the well deserved kudos for helping them get there. They, everyone wants to be a self-made man. It's like, nobody helped me. I did this all on my own. I was in the gym by myself. But um, if you follow the kind of the breadcrumbs of your social persona, um, you make it exciting and it's fun and there's all the shit talk, but you drop these gems every once in a while. And for someone who's so young, and especially I'm, I'm thinking years ago when you started putting these posts up, they were, they were very, very evolved. And that's kind of what led me to the John thing is like, how impactful has this this like philosopher been on your life? You know, the sage of not only jujitsu, but it feels like the guy is well versed in everything. Yeah, I mean, John knows everything about everything. Like, you talk to this guy about any subject, and he can give you like a full history on it. Like, it's just it's insane how much he knows. Everyone just thinks, oh, he teaches leg locks in jujitsu. It's like, no, this guy knows everything about everything. Like. We're here doing a podcast and John's at home, like researching something that he doesn't know about. Like you could go home and watch TV and like, you know, take a break and sit on the couch or like John's at home, like writing notes or researching stuff. Like he's just, he's a genius. Um, and he said something to me very early in my career that changed my outlook on, on essentially life. Um, he said, the first thing he told me was just focus on being the best in the world and everything else is easy. He's like, everyone, anyone can trash, can, can trash talk. Anyone can do this, can do that, can do marketing schemes. He's like, not everybody could be the best in the world. He's like, if you just focus on being the absolute best in the world, everything else that's secondhand comes easy. Um, and another thing he said to me in the same day was that you have to be entertaining in some way. Um, if you look at a guy like George St. Pierre, for example, um, he's not very entertaining. He doesn't trash talk. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't go back and forth with guys on social media or in person. He's very quiet, um, and shy. Uh, but when he goes in, he fucking performs and he's exciting and he beats people and he keeps beating people. Um, where if you have a guy, um, for example, like, uh, I'm sure many of you know, like Dylan Dennis, who can do all the talking, but he yeah. can't actually go in and perform. Um, but he can still manage to make money and, you know, have a following because he, he, he talks trash. It's exciting. He's a heel. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he, it, it's, his main thing was you have to be exciting in some way, whether it's on or off, whether it's on the mat or inside the cage or the ring or whatever, um, or off the mat. And he's like, and historically the people who have been the most successful, the most remembered and, uh, you know, made the most money were the people who were both exciting on the mat or in the cage, whatever the whatever the case is, and off the mat. If you look at Muhammad Ali, if you look at Conor McGregor, if you look at Mike Tyson, like all the guys who could who could play a character and have a persona when they're just when they're not competing, um, and be exciting in media interviews and, and things like that, but also have the skill and the you know the technique and the uh, and the dedication to go in and train, and not just like not not to get caught up in that persona, just thinking, oh, I'm invincible and you know I don't need to train anymore and no one could ever beat me. Um, you know, and having that ability to go into a combat situation and perform on top of the ability to trash talk outside, um, those are the people who everyone remembers because then you're exciting in both areas, and that's what really draws people 
you know, that's what draws big attention to you. Yeah. And you've been doing just that. I, I, I've ca- I was talking to a mutual friend of ours a week ago, Rich Byrne, the CEO of Kasai. And we were talking about social media, which he's not really on. And I said, do you watch, do you watch the Gordon Ryan TV show? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, he posts so much on Instagram, you know, on, on the stories. It's like, it's like a, a real TV show. I mean, if, you, if you're watching it, it's, it's incredible content. And I was interested to know, like, is this, how intentional is this? Like how much thought is it totally organic? Like, are you putting thought and plan into this? Because it, it really is great. Yeah. I mean, like the stuff, like the number one thing that anyone will tell you, like, if you want to be like successful and loved by everyone, it's like, don't get political, which I just like, that was just like a completely out the window. Yeah. Um, because I'm just so angry that anyone could possibly think like this. Um, I just like freak out on Democrats all the time. So um, <laughs> that like, I just do that because I just like, I like like to like spread common sense and logic, I feel. Um, so that I just do for fun. And because I think that people should know how like a normal, successful person should think. Um, and, uh, you know, everything else as far as, you know, related to jiu-jitsu is all planned. Um, you know, if I say something or if I comment something or if I make a post about something, uh, there's always there's always a rhyme and reason to it. I don't just post or I don't call people out or talk shit for no reason. There's always I'm always getting at something and it always it usually ends up working in my favor. Yeah. Um, like I, I and I save screenshots like from years ago. Like I just are you on a laptop or your phone? I'm on my phone. All right. Why? I'm going sh- to share my screen with you. You can tell me if you can see this. Uh, I just pulled this up. Um, not to get political, but can you see my screen? Yeah, the cosmopolitan. The cosmopolitan. Yeah. Yeah, you put this up, and and then I'm just gonna share one more thing that you put up. How to make money work? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You think about these two posts; they're the total antithesis of each other. Like, listen, I run a women's fashion company. I have 225 women that work for me. I have a couple hundred thousand women customers, all shapes and sizes. I I believe, you know, health and looking good are two different things. That woman was not healthy. Heart disease is the number one killer in our country. 600,000 people a year die from heart disease. We shouldn't be glorifying that, you know, period, end of story. That's not political statement. And how do you do it? Oh, I don't know. You work hard. You go to jujitsu every day. You run. Like I've often said, you know how hard it is for me to run? I run multiple companies and then every single night for 12 years almost, I go and I go to jujitsu every night and then I don't get home until 1030 at night. Like that's a grind. It's an insane grind. And then for people to come in and just say, oh, well, you know, don't work at all. And yeah, it's okay. I, you know, it's beautiful. Like for me, it's just like, number one, if you want to say like that's beautiful or whatever the case is like that, that's just objectively not healthy. Like you just, you can't be healthy when you're 300 pounds, um, 350 pounds. Um, so I see stuff like that and I just, I just lose my mind. Like, and I've lost sponsors over it. I've lost money over it. I just don't care. Like the thing that I pride myself on most is I've always done things my way and I've never let any amount of coercion or like, the threats of sponsors taking away money from me ever stop me from voicing my opinion. And I think that's something that I, I really pride myself on. Um, cause even when I was poor, like, you know, I was making a thousand dollars, $2,000 a month, like sponsors would threaten me and be like, well, if you keep doing this, I'm going to pull the money out. I'm like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Like, I don't care. I don't need your money. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, like, stuff like that just drives me crazy. It's like everyone just wants – everyone my age is just so entitled. Like, everyone who's a 25-year-old, like, I, I truly believe that you can't really – especially if, you're, like, you're a man. Like, you can't grow up. You can't become a real adult unless you have – unless you've suffered to some degree, like, unless like, if, if you don't work hard in your life, you never work hard. Like what, I mean, what are you really doing? Um, so I, I mean, when, when people come in and everyone's complaining about, you know, how hard their life is or how, you know, people want my hard earned money and they want my taxes to go up and they want all of my shit for free. Like these people don't know how hard I work. Like they could, they could never do what I do. Um, and until they're in my shoes, they, they don't deserve to have, until they do the things that I do or things similar to what I do, they don't deserve to have the things that I have. Um, so stuff like that just drives me crazy when I know like what my upbringing was and, you know, driving a thousand miles a week into the city, spending every dollar I had on, on just getting into the city. You know, when I started making money, obviously I was driving in myself or, you know, helping Gary pay and all my sponsorship money went to driving into the city and just getting to John's class. And that was it. I didn't have money to do anything else. Uh, you know, sleeping on the mats in the middle of the sessions, like, when people just are like, yeah, you should take more tax from this guy. It just makes me lose my mind because it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Taxes are a, uh, a delicate issue for a lot of people. And I don't think there should be no taxes, but I think the taxes should be fair and equitable and you should work incredibly hard and you should be able to keep your money and, and live a great life. And, um, you know, not to get too far down in the philosophy of this, but there's like this, and I would love to hear John's perspective on this, but there's an author, her name's Ayn Rand, and she wrote a book called Atlas Shrugged. It's like this thick, and her philosophy is all about the virtues of being selfish. And the, the whole concept of Atlas Shrugged is that the richest, most successful engineers, doctors, they all start disappearing. They all start, start leaving. And the politicians and the bureaucrats keep saying, we need to raise taxes. We need to raise more taxes and more taxes. And then there's no one left to tax because they all keep leaving. And the reality is, is that if you keep taxing everybody in New York, there's not going to be anybody left. You know, I'm here. I run businesses here. My wife's just starting her career as a surgeon. I have, I bought a house, but my parents are out. You know, my dad who raised his family here, he moved to Florida, you know, and all of my earning potential is ahead of me hopefully, but if they would encourage him to stay here and all those hundreds of thousands of people that are moving from around the country, from California and New York's to Texas and Florida's and Puerto Rico's, it would be a lot, a lot more productive um, and, for not to leave. Yeah. And I mean, if the only way you're going to really solve that issue is if you just make all of the United States be taxed, taxed at 50%, because then there's no way to run, but then you just basically just you're just basically a socialist state at that point. I mean, yeah. if you're going to tax everyone 60% across, if you live in New York, you tax 60%, you live in Kentucky, you tax 60%, then there's nowhere yeah. to run. But I mean, everyone's just going to be a loser then. I mean, there's yeah. no more winners and losers. Um, and uh, I mean, or you could just do a flat tax, which is guaranteed to make the government more money in the long run, um, yeah. which I think is fair. That's, that's, that's the actual fair share. Like me paying 70% and someone else paying 10% is not fair. Like, no, <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, if you did like a 15% flat tax, I would pay that no problem. Like people wouldn't be running away from, from New York and all these, you know, once great places to, you know, avoid giving away half their money. It's, uh, it's, it's inevitable. And I hope we don't get there. But all right. So let me, let's, let's get away from taxes. Cause it's the result of the business. Let me ask you this. 
you you very often talk about your philosophy in, in jujitsu and some of the things that have made you successful. Um, one of the things that I hear you talk about and write about all the time is when you cause a dilemma for you're on the mat. You put your you put your opponents in a position where they have to choose one the lesser of two evils, but either way, you're making them work for you. And this really is poetry in action on the mat. You've done this to the highest, highest, highest level opponents. You've made it look like you're almost not working hard and they're doing everything possible. And it's like there's nowhere to go. I think the most recent match I saw with this is Mateus Dennis, where this guy is like, he's, he's amazing. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. And it was almost as if you, you made him look like it was just different, different caliber. So, have you have you brought this principle over to other parts of your life? Are you aware of how this relates to business at all? Um, well, I, mean, I, definitely, I definitely use it in my trash talking. Uh, <laughs> well, that's it. Exactly. That is like, your uh, on, like on, on on Instagram when um you know when when people come back at me, I, I I always try to set up dilemmas. So no matter what they say, they end up looking stupid. Andre falls into it all the time. Andre just clowns himself every single time he gets into an argument with me. Um, same yeah. thing with Penna. Um, so, uh, I definitely use it in, in, uh, in, you know, in arguments, uh, online, um, as far as business, I haven't done anything too much right now. Like I always think I have so much money and then I have to pay taxes. Like I just save up so much money. Then like I bought a house and I'm like, oh man, I'm rich. And then I have to pay taxes again. And then I'm back to no money. And then I, so every, every time I do something, I have to pay like 50% taxes. Then I'm like, fuck. Um, so I haven't, I haven't done too many business ventures yet i'm just starting now thankfully um now that the house is gonna be sold and i have some some extra money but uh i haven't done anything too crazy yet as far as investments and business stuff go um but i, I definitely do use it online all yeah. the time no you do i mean I, I i see it in you um you are doing it whether you're aware of it or not that's kind of what this book is all about like i want to use your i want to use it because Ultimately, what happens is like in my gym, for example, I'm at Budokan. We're a Henzo Gracie affiliate on Long Island. I have all these incredible athletes, UFC fighters, Randy Brown's in our gym. And a lot of young guys, they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to start out in business and they come to me for advice. And they're so good at jujitsu. Like they're so good. They understand the principle so well. And then I try to explain a very simple question about business that they want to know about, like paying taxes or marketing. And I'll say, just apply this business, just apply this jujitsu technique to it. And you have to learn it and rep it. And it's the same thing as jujitsu. Like you have to show up every single day at business for the next couple of years. But your the way that you describe causing a dilemma is like that is perfect business negotiation. Like when you are going out and you're trying to negotiate with someone across the table um you need to cause a dilemma to get what you want like you need to navigate the conversation in two ways tomorrow i'm going to sit and i'm negotiating a lease with someone and we've been very far apart and we're getting closer together but that is the principle of which you use in order to to win you know to win the negotiation and it's it's just so beautiful it's way more explicit in jujitsu and but john broke this down on billions on the show in billions. And when he, and I don't know, like it, it seemed very clear to me, although I, it might have been theater, that he really gets this stuff. You know, like yeah. he knows how to draw these, he knows how to draw the connections and the parallels between these different worlds. Yeah. And um, it goes back to what we were talking about before um, when John's like, just be the best in the world because 
you know, just focus on being the best because now I've kind of put myself in a position of fuck you. So whenever I have to negotiate with someone like these jujitsu organizations, they know I don't need them. Like everyone knows I have enough money. I don't, I don't ever have to compete again. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to ever step on the mat to compete again in my life. So it's like, okay, well I have to leverage because I'm the best, best in the world. I bring in far more viewers than everybody else, but at the same time, it's actually more of a hassle to get on a plane and fly across the country to California to compete than it is to just stay here and just, you know, plan a DVD or, you know, just train. Um, it's actually, you know, more of a hassle to go out and compete for 15 or 20, 20 or $25,000 for me right now than it is to just stay here and just do the stuff that I would normally do. And they know that, um, the the thing, the thing is with all these, you know, big jujitsu, um, you know, there's so many platforms now coming out, um, as you know, for, super fights and, you know, different tournaments and stuff, they all have so much leverage over the competitors, whereas they just don't have that with me. Um, so they either have to play ball or they know that they're sacrificing a lot of viewership and a lot of potential revenue because they don't have me on the show. So that's kind of my dilemma when I'm, when I'm negotiating with them is, you know, they know that I'm the best and they know that I don't need them to be successful. Yeah. Talking about platforms coming out, can you talk about your partnership and relationship with the guys at BJJ Fanatics, uh, Bernardo and, yeah, and Michael? Of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike Zenga and Bernardo, you know, two of the best guys you're ever going to meet. Um, the main thing for me when I'm negotiating with anyone in the Jiu-Jitsu community is just not to be a scumbag. Yeah. Um, the thing, thing with everyone in this community is there's, su- there's such a small amount of money being fought over by all the all the people in the community the sponsors all fight over the money the competitors all fight over the money the organizations all fight over the money and there's and there's no money they're all fighting over peanuts yeah uh, so everyone's just going to try to stab everybody in the back to make a small amount of money so if i can just get if i can just get a relationship with someone who's not a complete dickbag who's not going to completely screw me over i'm happy um yeah. you know mike and bernardo are definitely those guys um they don't try to screw me over they pay me on time uh which I know it sounds like a regular thing, but it's not in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, they, they pay me at all, which is not, which is not a regular thing also in jiu-jitsu. Um, and they're just, uh, you know, they're good guys to work with. They're open to ideas. They're open-minded. Um, when you, I mean, I don't really ever negotiate. We, we're friends. We talk. Um, but when you, you talk to them, it's, you never feel like they're trying to get one over on you. You, know, you feel yeah. like you're really partners with them. You feel like, um, you know, like you're not just an employee or just like a pawn for BJ fanatics. You feel like, you know, you're a, a true partner and you're part of the business with fanatics and that it's something that they want to last for a long time. And for that, you know, that for me is, is what's most important um, when dealing with anyone, really. It's just like not to be a shitbag. <laughs> yeah. No, everything I've heard about them has been the, exactly what you just said. And I had a great conversation on this podcast with Travis Stevens and he was telling me just, you know, how, how great they are. And he did BJJ, B, uh, judo fanatics with them. And he's up in, I guess, Michael is one of his judo students or maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been so impressed with their business. I mean, when it first, when it first launched, it was, it was like, I, who could have thought it was going to out compete Goller and all those other highly produced yeah. video apps. And I, I was aware of Bernardo as a, you know, like a world champion on the IBJJF circuit, but he didn't have the kind of name that you do or the recognition or the you know, notoriety on Instagram or social media or anything like that. But what they've done over the past couple of years with you, with John, it just seems like such a beautiful business and partnership. 
Yeah. And I mean, what they're doing is really great because they just have everyone in their store now. So, I mean, if someone comes in to buy me and that, or to buy something from me and they see someone else that they like, you know, everyone, everyone makes more money because, because there's just so many people in the store. Um, or if someone comes in to buy someone else and they see, they see stuff from me and they're like, Oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many, there's so, so many, um, pathways to the store with their advertising and the amount of athletes and videos that they have that, you know, once you're on the store, there's just an almost an infinite amount of, you know, techniques and, and videos that you can choose from. Um, so there's just so much traffic going in, uh, you know, that everybody ends up making more money in the long run, you know, me, them, the other guys in the store. So, I mean, it's a really great platform and, you know, two, I mean, three guys is, uh, three, three great guys that, uh, that are running it. So, uh, I have nothing, nothing but positive things to say about them. Yeah, that, that, that's what it seems like. I, I would, I want to talk to those guys. I've been trying to get in touch with Michael. Uh, Jimmy is going to try to hook me up, but if you could uh, put in a good word for me, he's be a great person to speak I'll to. I'll put you in touch. With, I'll put you in touch with Michael. As long as, as long as at some point you, you either bring Travis on the show or you roast Michael for being terrible at judo because he said <laughs> that he was, uh, he was, he was, uh, he was Travis's judo student. Yeah. <laughs> the best is watching, uh, the best is watching John watch michael zanga try to perform any physical movement at all it's just like it's just it's just john you're roasting him whether it's like throwing a football like doing a throw doing yeah. a guard no matter what it is it's just it's just the most amazing thing ever to watch he's a he's a big guy right yeah he's huge he's like six three two sixty he's yeah. he's a big boy yeah he's a, travis said that he um he's taught him a lot michael has taught travis a lot about internet marketing and running the website and running a successful business do you have that kind of relationship with him do you guys talk about the business or is it like you make the content and do the marketing no i, I talk i never talked to him like really in depth about it um but uh you know he's he's always giving me like small little tips and um you know he's he's always helped me the best that he can and uh, if I if I go to him and I ask him something, he's an open book. He uh, you know he comes yeah. in and he gives me everything. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm doing a decent job myself, you know, doing the promotions and stuff. Um, yeah. But as far as like, the the, uh, the technical side of it and like what he does with the marketing um, and like the technology part, I have nothing really. I don't know anything about that. I'm like the worst ever with technology. The fact that I was able to set this call up is just a miracle. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, if any, if I ever need anything or ask him anything, he's more than willing to, to help me. Yeah. That's great. Um, you, have you been tempted at all to, uh, start your own brand or your own company around, uh, you know, the gear or just, you know, kind of monetizing your own brand? Um, I've thought about it before. The thing with jujitsu companies and just gear in general is that there's such a small amount of money. Like I was talking about before, there's not, I mean, there's a few select brands that do well, um, you know, with, uh, with, with gear brands, but it's a lot of work. Number one, it's a big headache to manage yourself. I've already have so much stuff I have to do. Um, and, uh, you know, you can make decent money, but I'm like, I want to make like millions and millions of dollars a year. I mean, so I don't think that a jujitsu like gear company is that, that is really an avenue to do that right now. I mean, the sport's small right now, if it grows to a, you know, be much become much bigger than possibly um but right now i don't feel like there's enough i feel like the the juice isn't worth a squeeze right now um as yeah. far as starting my own my own gear company no if i was advising you i would tell you to keep advice you know trying to be the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and that can come down the road for sure but uh it's just because you've had these partnerships with brands and 
I've you market them in a way that I've always felt that they are your brand. Yeah, I like everything to be authentic. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm getting like paid, which I am to to uh, support a company. Um, and I only endorse companies that I that I like and that I I believe in. Um, when so when I when I take something on and I I say that I'm using it, you know, I'm using it and I like them, and you know, that's you know, that's it's genuine. Yeah. No, it's um, it, it definitely comes across. Listen, you're a genuine guy. I mean, you, you put it all out there, and yeah. whether whether you're going to be on the hating camp or you're going to be a, a super fan camp, that's I think what the what you what you've done for our sport, and it's pushing it forward in amazing ways. Um, another partner of yours that I'm totally fascinated with is Flow Sports. You know, these guys, what they've done for our sport, I think that they cover the ADCC or Kasai as good, if not better than ESPN covers, you know, Monday Night Football. Uh, they do such a good job, the production, yep. the lead up, the teaser videos, it's it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about flow, everyone complains about flow, but you have to remember, like, go try to watch a 2001 ADCC. Like, go try to yeah. watch a 1999 ADCC. Like, you can't find them anywhere. Like, you can't find the matches. Um, yeah, so VHS, budovideos.com. Yeah, like, Flow has given us a platform to be able, one, for entertainment, to watch, you know, just your favorite athletes or your family members or your friends in competition live um, on a pretty reliable stream that, you know, you can go back and replay and watch. Um, plus, like, the whole, you know, they they – they brand build, they go out, they do documentaries, uh, you know, they do like, um, like they come out and they take videos for you leading up to a fight and they do a whole bunch of promotion for all, you know, all these big shows before them, we didn't have that. Like, it was just like, okay, you show up at like some shitty little like high school gym and you fight and maybe like your mom records it on her cell phone and like you guys like have it for, you know, 20 years from now. <laughs> so yeah. like flow coming in was a huge innovation, um, you know, and a, a, you know, a big step up for the sport in general. Um, they've always been, they've always been great to me. Um, you know, now they understand that I'm the guy that's going to make that money. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very easy for me to deal with them now. You know, it's, it's a more of a partnership now. Yeah. Um, they have, they deal with so many athletes, you know, so, so, so often, um, now that they're running their own shows as well, they have who's number one. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's hard for them to manage. You know, all of their own employees. They have a ton of employees. It's hard for them to manage their own employees, getting them places, and dealing with the athletes. Um, but I think they've overall done a great job. You know, managing all of that. And uh, you know, it's always it's always easy for me to work with them. It's easy for me to uh, to get contracts done and to to make shows happen and to do whatever I need. I have you know you know three or four contacts at any time that I can message and you know I need this this and this done or you know how can we make this happen. And, um, you know, they've, they've done a lot for a sport. I'm, a lot of people hate them. A lot of people are mad at their pricing or whatever, you know, the sh streams cut out, like shit happens. Um, yeah, I, you know, I only had a great experience with them. I overall, mean. we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't, if it wasn't for flow or a company that would have existed if flow didn't exist. You know, between flow and UFC fight pass, they've kind of harmonized the, the viewing experience and like, whether it's a, a Kasai show or, uh, one of their own shows or one of the West Coast guys, it's it's good that you have a place that you can go right on your phone and you can get all the news and watch it. And it's it's very it's professionally done. I mean, they do, they really do a great job. 
Yeah. And if, and if you want to study tape, like before ADCC, okay, I want to go back and I want to watch, you know, 10 matches of insert a name here. You know, yeah. I can go and I can search that on flow and I can use it for educational purposes. I mean, I go and I watch tape, you know, not all the time, but before if I have a super fight or if I have a big tournament, ADCC coming up, you know, I'll go and I'll watch these matches and, you know, flow's library has a lot of matches. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it's just it's good all around. One of the best ones of all time. I don't know if this was on Flow or this was UFC Fight Pass, but you know when you fought um, Craig with that EBI overtime finish with the armbar, you know, I mean, if that wasn't the most one of the defining moments of your career, and I think of our whole sport, but you know, Henzo has that quote: "There's more philosophy on the jujitsu match than in all the universities in the world." I mean, that was like living. I'm not gonna die on this mat. Like you have to break my arm off. That yes, was yeah. that was people, the people people always forget like people don't know me and Craig fought three times that one was on UFC Fight Pass but we fought we fought twice on UFC Fight Pass and then we fought once at ADCC on Flow, um, but uh, that was definitely the worst one for me. Um, I remember you know, I fought him at EBI and he had breezed through everyone on his side of the bracket. He had like three heel hooks in under thirty seconds. I had like my first match was like nine and a half minutes. My second yeah. match was like four or five. My third match went to like overtime. And you I was like, that monster. <laughs> yeah, I was off that day. That I, was like, I was off. I was exhausted. I just was like, oh my God, I have to fight fucking this guy again. And I knew he was like ready for me because we just fought at ATCC like a, a few months ago. So I knew he would, I knew he would have adjusted. And he put me in the arm bar and I had to fight Yuri the next weekend who was the reigning ADCC champion in the weight class above me. So I had that match next weekend and Craig put me in the arm bar, like broke my arm in half. And I was like, this motherfucker, man. <laughs> but you came back and won and, uh, and choked him out. I mean, it was, that was philosophy in action that never give up attitude. And I mean, I don't know how you pulled that off to be honest. I've watched that video so many times as millions of other people have, you go look at the YouTube counts. It's, uh, it's absolutely as impressive as it gets. I mean, like if you want to teach someone how to be successful in business, all you have to tell them is expect your arm is meta you know, metaphorically going to get broken in half and you still have to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like, still uh, have to win. That's what's going to happen to you. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, the reason why I didn't tap was because he wasn't able to hold me in a static position. Um, I mean, if I was just held in one spot, and my arm was getting broken in half, I would have tapped. Um, but the reason why I didn't tap, well, number one, because I had $10,000 on the line. Uh, I had an undefeated EBI. I was undefeated in EBI up until that point. Uh, and I just didn't want to be a pussy and tap. Um, but mechanically, because he, he he didn't have me in a static position, so I could, I could keep working towards an escape. Um, you know, so it's the same thing in same thing in life, essentially. If you, you know, as long as you can keep moving forward and have a goal in mind, you can eventually get there. I mean, it's gonna be a rocky road. Um, but you know, my goal was keep working towards an escape, eventually get the elbow off the breaking fulcrum, and then eventually you're gonna be out, and then you can be on offense again. Um, and it's the same thing in anything else in life. Um, you know, work towards a goal, and you know, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping to to talk about with you. I had uh, this guy Paul Krieger on the podcast. He's uh, the commissioner of mixed martial arts in Massachusetts, and he's also the president and co-founder of a six billion dollar family office. And he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. He loves he loves jiu-jitsu. 
And he said the same thing, but he said it about business. He goes, what I love about jujitsu is you got that guy and he's putting all the pressure in the world. You feel like the black hole is on top of you and you just have to make those micro movements and keep moving and figure out a way to get out of it. And um, so, so that is something that I'm, I'm looking to explore and really get to the heart of. And your escape from that position was, that was it in, that was it in living form. And then in business, we just get, I can't tell you how many times I've had, I've been in that position and I feel like the whole world is coming down and I got to get out of it. Yep. <laughs> That's definitely jujitsu. I mean, I started when I was 15, so I was training with all the adults and it was just yeah. miserable. For, like, <laughs> I like wasn't good and I wasn't, I wasn't like physical. So I just like training with the adults like every day. And like, I was like a retard when I was, when I was like a white belt, I would just go as hard as I could with all the guys. And they just they used to just abuse me like for years and years and years just as hard as they can like they used to like like hip into submissions hard because I was like being an asshole like it was just miserable for for the first like for the first like four years. Great, How, you you fought that guy recently during the COVID times. Uh, Tackett, he was a submission of the year on Flow. What's that? What's his first name? William Tackett. Yeah, I didn't. I, I never fought him. I trained with him at one of my seminars, but I I never <laughs> actually fought him. My teammates fought him. No, 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 no. Who's the guy that you just beat for submission of the year? That gigantic oh, human. Oh, oh, Kyle Baum. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Baum. Excuse me. That's what I was talking about. That guy, when you guys stood next to each other, I couldn't believe how big he was. His arms. He's very big, yeah. And He's very he, big, and he used to be a rock climber. Like, he's super strong. Like, he used to, like, like rock climbers normally aren't 220 pounds. Yeah. Like, he would, he, he's, he's big, and he's, like, a strong He's like not like very athletic, but his isometric strength is very impressive. That's why the submission that you got him with, uh, I suspected that the only way you were going to finish him was was uh, either like with a heel hook or, or or choking him out. And you got him with his in his arm. I mean, you yeah. you could see how big his arms. Like he didn't want to go in that direction. It was almost yeah. like he was saying to himself, "I'm making this up, obviously. Like, how is this guy controlling me? No one has ever done this to my arm before." <laughs> I mean, when you people underestimate the advantage of braking mechanics, when you have strong braking mechanics, like it goes a long way. Like if you if you get to a position and you're like, okay, I know for a fact I can break this guy's arms or leg, uh, this guy's arm or leg. Like it goes a long way as far as your like just confidence and your ability to attack during a match. Like if you're if you're second guessing yourself, if I get a heel hook or if I get an arm bar, like can I actually break an arm or a leg in half? And it's a hard thing to do. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna play a role in the match, whether or not you can actually do whether whether or not you know mentally, um, can I break this or you know, am I gonna have an issue? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that you thought that it was gonna go to that position, but man, were you ready for it? I mean, that was yeah. like it was off a scramble and it was you just saw it. I think that one of the guys on the flow grappling was talking about it during the awards session. He was just like the way that you kept the control and brought the knee over the head and you close up the triangle and you, just, you had his arm in that position. And it was just, it was the perfect position that you would have to put someone who was that big of a monster in, in order <laughs> to break them. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that was uh, that was, that was a really beautiful submission and, and also another, another business moment. So what's, what's the plans for this year with you down in Puerto Rico, you guys are building an Academy. So we're opening up an Academy. Yeah. Um, it's a huge academy. It's right. Um, it's very close um, to the bubble. It's uh, 
it's right by Amigos, right behind Amigos um, supermarket in Dorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 15,000 square feet. Uh, and most of it's going to be mats. Um, it's probably going to be, if I had a guess, close to 10,000 square feet of mat space um, with a full octagon, uh, locker room, showers, front office, front desk, things like that. But it's basically just going to be a huge matted platform. Um, so that's, that's, that's what we're doing as far as team goes. We're hoping to be open somewhere between two to three months, four at the latest, um, depending on how fast these guys work. Um, and then for me, I'm looking – I right now I'm looking – I have to plan and film some DVDs. We got kind of backlogged with COVID mm-hmm. um, where Massachusetts just got shut down and they were like arresting people for like doing anything. Um, so I got to get some DVDs filmed um, coming out. And then uh, after I – plan some instructionals that I'm going to look, start fighting. I want to do instructionals that will get me through or at least close to the end of the year. Um, yeah. that I can focus on ADCC when the time comes. Um, and then I'm looking to go out and, and then fight all the best guys. Love it. Who's, uh, have you made any announcements on this, uh, on the school and the biz? Like what is the gym? Is it a, is it a Henzo gym? Is this a Gordon gym? Like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be our new, um, just like a, a new, association for us um we're going to call it i believe new wave jiu-jitsu um and we're going to start i mean it's basically going to be john's going to be the head instructor mm-hmm. um, and then it's going to be like the the dds um the school um and we'll have an affiliate program we'll have um i'm going to talk more on this later when we have an actual plan hashed out which we don't yeah. yet um, but we'll have an affiliate program um where we'll do camps and you know people can come in and you know well teach them jiu-jitsu. It's like almost like a getaway camp like we did in Singapore where people come in for a week and, uh, you know, they hang around, they train and, you know, we all, you know, hang out. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that for affiliates and non-affiliates. Uh, and then we'll just run, you know, normal classes like, a, like a jiu-jitsu school does. Who's running the school? Do you have like a operating guy, young guy? So John's teaching the classes. Um, and right now we, we need like, uh, I have my buddy who's going to ha- start helping us do the, the marketing side and that stuff. Cause John, John knows that stuff, but John wants to do, John wants to teach you too. Like John doesn't yeah. want to have to go in and like, you know, answer emails and like transfer money from account to account. Like John wants to go in each classes and go home. Yeah. Um, so we, we're figuring all that out now. Uh, but the most important thing is getting the school open, having a space for us to train and, you know, starting to build local champions here. And just having a room full of good guys that we can train with. Um, if we yeah. can do that, then then everyone will be happy. It looks like there was a pretty pretty big room of guys down there now. Uh, you had some killers coming down uh, from from New York. How many people moved permanently? We got between ten and fifteen. It's a good it's a good amount. We have uh, you know all the com- all most of the competition team is here, if not all of them. Um, the only person who's not here right now is Nicky Rod, and he's coming uh, like the next few days. So. It's uh, all the people that we were training with when lockdown happened, when COVID happened, all those people are here. So, I mean, we have a, we have a good group of guys. The only problem is they're all world beaters. So like every round you do is like with a guy who's extremely good. Um, so now we have, we have a, a group of local Puerto Ricans also who have been training with us. Um, so if you need to try a new move, if John shows something new and I don't have to go and practice it right away on Craig Jones, like, or Gary or my brother, 
Um, <laughs> I can like try it on lower level guys first and then work my way up. So it's good to have that mix of the local guys and, you know, all the guys who are, you know, world-class. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's an important part of a, a gym mix that I, I think maybe some people don't understand is that you need every level in order to sharpen and test your skills. You know, you need all the guys in the room in order to, uh, to make sure you can do it. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm to be of service to you. I'm here. As soon as that gym's open, I'm coming down. We'll be here. We'll be here. Yeah. And, um, if you need, uh, you know, Zenga's contact or anyone's contact, um, I can, uh, I, I can at least connect you. I yeah. can, uh, I can send some messages out. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I, I especially want to talk to Michael. Uh, I've been trying to get a hold of him and, uh, just like you, like when, you know, when there's so many, really so you gotta give, you gotta come from Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, really, really appreciate it. I hope to see you soon down in Puerto Rico. And if you need anything, you know where to reach me. Likewise. Thank you so much. Yep. See you.